If you're listening to this podcast, you've seen the highlights. Here it comes. The chip-ins at Augusta and Memorial. The flagged irons for tap-in birdies. My goodness. These moments are Tiger Woods moments. But remember, there are people behind him. There's his father, who taught him the game decades ago. His mother, who supports him to this day. There's his caddy, his close circle of friends, and his longtime agent. They're all involved. But also, there's this wizard behind Tiger Woods' golf clubs. Those tools he relies upon to turn his talent into trophies. We're going to tell you all about that wizard right here on The Drop Zone. But first, an equipment wizard in his own right, Jonathan Wall. Jay Wall is the equipment editor at Golf Magazine. Jonathan, what is life like as our equipment guru? I guess it depends on the week. You know, I think there was there was a point in time within the industry before I entered when equipment was kind of set for a certain time of the year. It was usually end of the year, right before the PGA merchandise show, a lot of the manufacturers would release new product. It is not like that anymore. It's it's pretty much year round. The new T-Series irons are something different. It's why the G410 driver is engineered with movable weights to help you hit more fairways. And you are constantly seeing new gear being released, whether it's on tour, whether it's to the public. It, it is, it's exhausting, but it is, it's still a lot of fun. Yeah, and when it comes to the appetite for equipment, there's probably no greater appetite for equipment than Tiger Woods' golf clubs. <laughs> That's an understatement. And, <laughs> and Tiger Woods' clubs have their own fun history. Who is Mike Taylor? 1987, hadn't been out of college very long. The company I was working for, they had some connections to the Ben Hogan Company. And the owner, which was a, a fellow that my father had grown up with, he came to me one day and goes, hey, there's this company here in town. They're looking for a guy that has some of your skills. But he's like, he always said, says, I told him, Mike, you, this boy's from the country. He can fix things. Again, if you're if you're somebody who's deep in the gear culture, you know who Mike Taylor is. He, I would say, he's a little bit of a of a cult hero. If you've been lucky enough to meet him, it's probably been at some sort of press junket. He's a grinder. He grinds clubs for a living, but he is a grinder. Literally. He's, literally. But he's the kind of guy that just likes to do the work. He, he doesn't like the accolades. He usually always tries to pass them off to the player, even though you might not know who he is. Some of the greatest golfers in the world relied on Mike Taylor for their success. I like golf because it's process. It's a process that it starts with a beginning and I got to see the final result. It's not where I just make one little part of this. You know, you're, you have some control of how a number of components end up creating a valuable tool for someone. If you see Tiger Woods winning, Mike Taylor has played an important role in the tools that he's using to win those tournaments. So what role is he actually playing? Like, I don't see him. I don't see him get mentioned. I don't know of him until you write the story. Like, what role is he playing? So so Mike Taylor is what we like to call a master club maker. So before the Ironhead ever receives the stamping on the back for, for the manufacturer or any sort of tweaks to, you know, the top line, when you look down at the golf club, the line on the top of the club or the sole, how it plays through the turf, uh, Mike is the guy who takes those blank virgin heads 
and gives them that personality that the tour players, that a Tiger Woods wants. So Tiger Woods wants personality in his golf clubs. What does that mean? Yeah. So so Tiger Woods may be the most meticulous and persnickety professional golfer in the history of the game. First things first, it has to look good in a playing position. Okay. So the next one is, how does it feel when I waggle it? Uh, my hands are the only thing that's touching the golf club, and I've been trained to trust my hands. Then you hit shots. You know, normally you just throw out a couple, and then you find a couple, and then you kind of tweak them a little bit. And then um, either that day or the next day, I go out and hit some balls on a golf course. Whether the the top line is is you know half a millimeter too. I mean, we're talking tenths of a millimeter too thick. Uh, <laughs> he can hit one shot with a golf club and tell you immediately whether it's interacting with the turf the way it should be. I've watched Tiger during testing sessions hit one ball and automatically say, well, that went too high. He <laughs> automatically knows that the center of gravity within this club is off. That this, this is why it's so difficult to work with Tiger Woods because he is so precise. He knows exactly what he wants. And it, it takes a very special person to give him the tools that he's looking for. I think just as, as a player, I, I know what I want. But Tiger can look down at an iron and he can tell you if something's off. He is so precise. He knows exactly what he wants. And it, it takes a very special person to give him the tools that he's looking for. And Mike is that guy. He's got such an innate sense of ability to grind and have me tell, tell him what I want and have him create. Um, he just... Our communications is fantastic. He is 100% that guy. Yeah, so how does he become that guy? <laughs> well, that that there's an interesting story there. Everybody, when you mention that ball striking, Tiger's ball striking, that, okay, it's not necessarily of what it looks like from a distance. It's what it looks like when you're close enough that you hear it. It's different just a, a beautiful energy. <laughs> you hand Eric Clapton a guitar. It don't sound like when you hand me one, man. <laughs> Before Nike Golf entered the area of equipment, all they were doing at the time was apparel and golf balls for Tiger Woods. But they automatically saw once they signed Tiger back in back in the late 90s that, look, we have the most marketable golfer on the planet. Golf's not hard with Tiger Woods and the AirZoom TW. A common problem in golf is the slice. We can't just have him wearing our apparel and playing our golf ball. We've gotta be more than that. In the early 2000s, they started looking around and they came to a company called Impact Golf. Now, Impact Golf is interesting because this company was founded by a man by the name of Tom Stites. Now, Tom headed up the, the build shop at Ben Hogan Golf Company. Nike comes along and they find Impact and they say, hey, Impact Golf, we're going to make you basically Nike Golf's equipment facility. That feels like a really big 
decision and honor, like a, a call down, like we want you. Exactly. It is. And it, it's one of those situations where, where Tom jumped at it, but he had a group of guys working with him. And one of them was Mike Taylor. At some point, I think that most people do anything long enough that you're like, I don't really want to go learn to do nothing else. And Mike Taylor went from working alongside Ben Hogan's master club fitter and club builder at the Hogan Company to then kind of getting to do his own thing at Impact. And next thing you know, he's thrust into a position where he's now creating golf clubs for Tiger Woods. I feel like Tiger doesn't trust anyone with anything, let alone his golf clubs. How does this dude earn Tiger's trust? I think the reason is because Mike Taylor is, is a, is, he's about as country as they come. He grew up in a town outside of Austin, Texas called Burnett. And Burnett, back when Mike was a kid, his family was in the ranching business. So Mike spent his summers dragging around bales of hay, getting ready for football season, going fishing and, and swimming in the creek with his sister. Um, you know, he he really thought at the time that he was going to grow up to be a rancher because it was in his blood. Uh, but he had a grandmother who told him, Mike, you have bigger things in your life. You need to go to college. So he went to college and got an engineering degree. Um, you know, again, Mike wanted to be in the aerospace industry. And so he went up to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and, and just happened as he was kind of hoping and praying for a spot to open up an aerospace because it is big in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He got this offer to join the Ben Hogan Company. And, and I think because Mike wasn't a golfer, it was golf wasn't in his DNA. He didn't know any better. He just, he liked the job. Wait, so the guy who's making Tiger's clubs isn't a golfer? <laughs> He's not a golfer. <laughs> now he now he is a golfer at at this present time, but when he first got into the industry, he was not a golfer. But it is kind of cool that he gained a little bit of knowledge from the people that he met along the way, but also part of that was just he fell into a job that he was perfect for. In your time with Mike Taylor, did you come across any other examples of that type of gift with golf clubs? Early on when when Tiger first got to Nike, there, there was a secret sauce with his irons. It was, it was these, these tungsten plugs. Not just a plug, a tungsten plug. Now, now tungsten is an, an interesting material because it can do a number of things for an iron. Um, depending on where you put it, you can shift the center of gravity. So the spot where you really want the CG to be is in the center of the face. So that when you pure a shot, you're getting that optimal launch spin, everything. But Tungsten also has another purpose, and that is changing the feel of an iron. So when, when Mike and Tiger first started working on irons, Mike received Tiger's Titleist irons, and he started looking them over, and he made some transition changes to the irons just to help them flow a little bit better. But when he built the first set of prototypes, Tiger came back and said, man, they just they don't feel right to me. So Mike digs into his club maker bag of tricks <laughs> and pulls out this one. So going back to his impact golf days, you know, one of the cool things about Tom Stites, he really wanted to push the limits of, of iron design. Um, so he kind of gave his staff carte blanche to just like, there are no parameters, let's figure it out. So Mike had this idea 
to use a TIG welder. Now a TIG welder, you can basically weld out holes into pieces of metal and then fashion pieces of tungsten into that metal using a TIG welder. That's that's about the layman's terms for, for what it is. Mike basically found out that by kind of positioning the tungsten within the head, it not only changed the center of gravity, but it also changed the feel of the club. So the second time around with Tiger, he fashions in these tungsten plugs into his iron heads. And Tiger immediately goes, oh yeah, that's the feel. <laughs> and these tungsten plugs within the head, because they kind of had a dual benefit, Tiger loved them. And from that point forward, he used tungsten in his iron heads. And even now with, with him being at TaylorMade, you know, Mike played a role in those irons. And, and one of the things that Tiger still has in those heads is tungsten plugs. Why the tungsten plug? Because it lowers the fairway wood center of gravity for incredible distance and forgiveness. <laughs> you sound like an ad. Oh, no kidding, Sherlock. What do you think I'm doing here? I'm not really getting a haircut, you know. It's fur. It's fake fur. It doesn't grow. And do you really think I get off talking about tungsten plugs? Huh? Mike Taylor, on a whim, adding tungsten to a set of irons, turns into a full-out marketing campaign for Nike, a full line of irons and clubs that Tiger Woods uses to this day. Yeah, it's a pretty wild story, isn't it? Our rapport's been fantastic, but also I have a lot of trust in Mike. Uh, he's been able to produce what I want, and since he's been on, on board, I've had some pretty darn good years. It's pretty cool to hear the greatest golfer of all time discuss just how important that trust is for him with some amateur hack player like you and me who's just really good with his hands. But moving forward, in 2016, Nike bowed out of the equipment industry. I remember the day really well, John, but what does it do to the Mike Taylor-Tiger Woods relationship? You know, the cool thing about Nike Golf is that that their R&D facility was located in Fort Worth, Texas, not in Beaverton, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why it was located in Fort Worth was because that's where Impact Golf, where Tom Stites and Mike Taylor and the whole crew that's where they were based and and that's where they were from. They didn't want to move. And so Nike was okay with that. So those guys are in the build shop in Fort Worth and they automatically find out that they no longer have jobs. I I had this feeling that things were gonna change, but I didn't know if they were gonna change that much. So it is what it is, you know. Um, a little bit more than that's not saying that, that it just, hey, things happen or whatever. Yeah, it was disappointing, right? I looked at it from a selfish standpoint of look at all these athletes that we're building tools for that we had these relationships for and now we gotta stop doing that. That wasn't gonna be fun. Those guys are in the build shop in Fort Worth and they automatically find out that they no longer have jobs. Now, the craziest part about that is as as they were kind of winding down, they are just cranking out product for players because they have so many, they have so many, they call them athletes. Um, at Nike, you know, obviously, because everybody at Nike's an athlete. They were cranking out product because all of the players that were on staff were talking guys like Tiger and Rory, Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka. They needed backup clubs for their backup clubs. They needed boxes <laughs> of balls being sent them, pallets of balls being sent. So, so Mike is really busy, but he's also realizing that at the time, I, I'm not going to have a job. I'm literally working to the end of the road, and then I have nothing. So what happens next for him? 
So at that point, Mike considers we're, we're talking about one of the greatest club makers in the history of the industry, just thinks about just walking away. Early on, I'm like, what are you gonna do, Mike? One thing I was never had a day's fear of is being able to take care of my family. I, what I would have wondered about most is what, how much passion could I find for where I was headed next? If I went to work at the nuclear power plant down there in, near Glenrose or, or wherever, is it gonna, is it, this is just gonna be a field filler? This is the years that you, what you did until you retired? Or is there any passion there for what you did? One of the other guys that, that he's working with says, hey, why don't we start our own company? And at that point, Mike kind of comes to and is like, yeah, let's let's start this company. And they call it Artisan Golf. So what is Artisan Golf? So Artisan Golf is is kind of this new trend within the industry. It's it's a it's boutique. It sounds hipster. It does. Boutique iron and wedge companies. We we've seen a couple of them that that are kind of making some noise within the industry right now. They're, they're basically high-end forged, so so forged iron heads made out of out of really soft carbon steels, the expensive materials that you typically wouldn't find on like a retail iron. Uh, the they're making irons, sorry, they're making wedges and putters. Um, now I, I have heard that they have been dabbling a little bit in in the, in kind of iron design, but but they haven't put anything out on the retail market yet. I think people would go wild considering who Mike Taylor has made irons for, but for the moment, it's just wedges, just putters. But here's the crazy thing. They they have a waiting list that's a mile long for people that want to get in and do personal fittings at the old Nike R&D facility, which is where Artisan is located, which I think is really neat. And they go out on the same range where Tiger Woods used to test, and they get to hit golf balls there with Mike Taylor next to him as as Mike then goes in and builds them a new set of wedges. Yeah, that sounds pretty awesome. I mean, who wouldn't? If you're a gearhead, who wouldn't want to do that? I don't know how much longer our careers are. I love doing this still. Have you thought about that at all? No. My my father asked me not long ago, "How much longer are you going to do this?" And I'm like, "A oh, while." Wow. He goes, "That's what I thought." Tiger Woods has had people in his past, like his former caddy and his former coach, that he doesn't stay in touch with at all. People in Tiger's past sometimes don't stay there forever, but has Mike Taylor stayed there? He has, has he gotten his due? I I mean, I don't personally I don't think he's gotten his due. I hope this story sheds some more light on on who Mike Taylor is, because I feel like it's important to point out the people in Tiger's life that helped him succeed. Hank and Butch and, and the instructors are, are a huge part of, of Tiger's career at different points in his career, obviously. But but Mike was was a big part of his career during his Nike golf days. And I feel like it's important to highlight these people who helped make the tools for him. You know, it, there's the thing that I that I believe kept Mike within the inner circle is Mike was never afraid to kind of dish it back to Tiger. You know, Tiger was you could always tell when Tiger liked you because he would kind of needle you. And and Mike was totally fine giving it right back. Mike told a story of when 
he was grinding a wedge for a commercial. Now, if you ever watch it, a golf commercial and you see uh, like Bob Vokey, for instance, grinding mm-hmm. a wedge on a wheel, that wheel, which has a really rough surface to it, if you jam that wedge against that wheel, it's going to make the sparks fly. Now, you would never do that because you're going to ruin a wedge. Uh, if you okay. were to watch Mike, he gently kisses the wedge in certain spots <laughs> to kind of give it just the right amount of bounce, just the right amount of hosel transition. This is not what you do for, for television. You want the sparks. So Tiger was in the build shop for one of these commercials, and Mike is grinding a wedge on the wheel, making the sparks fly, and Tiger looks at him and says, wait, was that one of my wedges? <laughs> and Mike, Mike basically deadpans, of course it is. And Tiger's <laughs> eyes get like as wide as saucers, and Mike just keeps a straight face. And, you know, afterwards he finds out that Mike's joking. But again, you know, Mike wasn't afraid to kind of have these, these kind of fun interactions with Tiger at the time. You know, he hasn't, he, I asked him, he hasn't spoken to Tiger in a little while, but you know, he said that Tiger, he and Tiger still speak about golf equipment. Whenever Tiger has questions about equipment, he reaches out to Mike. They still have that relationship even now with him at TaylorMade. And again, I think that bond was forged early on because Mike just wanted to make Tiger happy and make him good golf clubs. He was never in awe of the guy. Um, there was never anything else there except for for Mike just wanting to to help Tiger be the best he could be. I love that. I also love that you called their bond forged. Nice little golf club pun to wrap up this week's Drop Zone. Thanks to Jonathan Wall for joining us, and thanks to you for listening. We'll bring you another fun story next week right here on the Drop Zone. <laughs>